This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am here with my friend Allison Foley Contreras of Sphere of, and she is a designer and creative consultant. She uses human design and other healing modalities, and I'm so excited to have you. So welcome, Allie. Thank you. Thank you very much. So great to be here. It's so great to have you. We should tell people that you and I chat often and we talk about human design and creative and marketing and all kinds of other amazing topics. So I'm super excited to give people a little bit of a, maybe like a fly on the wall kind of (laughs) angle for what it's like to have two human design people speaking through that language and just motherhood and you know higher consciousness and all the vast array of things that we connect on totally so maybe we could just start by telling how you came to this this path this journey of you know spiritual awareness and mindfulness okay let's see if I can um, put this in a quick easy way Um, (laughs) how did I get here I've been a designer in the creative field for years and took time off for motherhood to stay home and raise the kids. Really, it started happening once I moved to California. I moved to Berkeley from New York City, where I lived forever. And I kind of got this opportunity to start over and meet a whole new array of people and sort of one person to the to another to another just kind of opened up this whole world of different opportunities and I think it really started with Reiki I heard about Reiki which I had when I was in New York I had dabbled in um in having you know in trying all of these different modalities I have I guess curiosity if you know anything about human design I'm a 5-1 so my first line is the investigator and I'm just curious, like there, there'd be nothing wrong, but I'd be like, oh, I want to try acupuncture or I want to try this or I'd want to try that. So I was just sort of hopping around all, all over the place. So I had had a few Reiki sessions in New York. So I guess it started before I moved to California. But when I moved to California, I did a Reiki training and it was kind of fascinating because unexpectedly, Like I just kind of knew things during Reiki sessions. I got messages from people who passed over, you know, to to pass on to the person on the table. And I just, I heard things in these sessions that I was like, what? (laughs) And and so they didn't make sense to me, but I would say them out loud. And um, people were like, oh my God, yes, exactly. That's like, that's my ex-husband or that's totally about a boyfriend or yeah, just different things like that. And did you know at the time that you, had you ever connected with these medium ship capabilities? Like when, when the voice came in, did you know this is someone that's passed? Like how did you even connect the dots and also have the courage to be able to speak that? That's incredible. Well, it started in the Reiki training. We were told to share whatever came up, even if it doesn't make sense to us, because most things don't make sense to you because it's not about you. You have no idea what's going on for the other person. So that was an opportunity to start sharing. And I was kind of blown away, like, oh my God. So then when I started doing sessions for people, I just would say, do you want to hear what came up for me and I have no idea if it will resonate if it will make sense if it does great if it doesn't that's fine too and every session something made sense so I wouldn't know it was happening but people would that's so cool I love that and it is funny that it's like Reiki for so many people is that 
gateway drug. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because it's so it's so beautiful. It's so supportive. It's so healing and warm and natural. And, and it's not even invasive in the sense that, you know, some people don't even lay hands on it and it can be distance. And I feel like I'm the opposite where I've dabbled and studied and gotten certifications and all these things. And then I went into Reiki, but I feel like most people do Reiki as sort of their entry into the body and all these different levels of auras and chakras and everything. So, yeah. And I'd also been practicing yoga for like 20 years. So I was already very like into sort of body, mind, spirit. So I guess maybe yoga was my, my first gateway drug, but then Reiki opened up this whole other thing. And then I heard about human design. Somebody said, Oh, you have to get your human design chart. And I was kind of like, not another like personality test that's going to like, cause I've taken them all. They never really landed with me, you know, like from the corporate ones to astrology, it was just sort of like, I don't know. So anyway, I took it and I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff means. And I just left it. So I was like, eh. and then a year later, um, it came up again and this time it was somebody else was talking about it and they knew a little bit more and so it just really resonated and then I just dove super deep into human design because I was like oh my god I have seen like I make so much sense like how does this woman on the other line on other end of the line like how can she tell me all of this stuff about myself that I knew on some level but it's not how I've been living. It's not like how I show up in the world. So I was just like fascinated. Oh, definitely. I can totally relate to that. And I also really appreciate that you shared that it's not always the first time that you hear something. And in fact, it's usually, I would say in my experience, happens in multiples. Like for me, it's usually three times that something will come together, whether it be in a short period of time where you hear the same thing from three different sources and three different people that you're like, okay, I'm getting the message. But definitely also the way that you experience where you heard about it, you tried it, it didn't really resonate. It wasn't lining up with you, but then a year later, it was the right time for you. And then that like changed the course of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no idea, like the light, there's like a whole other language to it. So that I was like a generator. What the heck is that? Like, I have no idea what that means. And I read the descriptions. And when I first heard about all the descriptions of the energy types, I was like, I am not a generator. No way. So it, that even after I learned about it, it took me a couple months of embodying it and the process of deconditioning to actually start to recognize these parts of myself. Oh, that's so interesting. So when you first read the different energy descriptions, what did you, did you think you were a projector? Is that what you lined up with? I thought I was either a projector. Well, first I was like, oh, I'm definitely a manifester, which I think a lot of people think because it's so strong in our cultural conditioning. And then I was like, no, no, I'm not a manifester. Maybe I'm a projector and then I was like maybe I'm a reflector (laughs) I feel like everything (laughs) I did not feel like a manifesting generator though I have to say (laughs) yeah well and it's funny because when I first found out about human design I heard the person talking about manifesting generator and there was never a question in my mind I mean the description of a man gen and for every man gen I have ever, you know, read for, had a session with, it is like all the bells are ringing that it just like lines up so perfectly. Like we were a type. (laughs) Yeah. I think they're all like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much conditioning around manifesting generators. And I've talked about this before, but because we are this hybrid energy type, because we don't really fit into the broader generator, in my opinion, I do think there's enough nuance and enough differentiation that it is a separate energy type, but of having the nonlinear path of being multi-passionate, of going from thing to thing, having so many different, you know, spinning plates and 
feeling flaky, feeling non-committal, feeling like, why can't I just find my one thing and stick with it? That is a definite conditioning that a lot of us have have been told, as opposed to the full peer generators who I think, you know, obviously every every energy type has their own challenge, but I think a lot of the language today does sort of, I don't know if the word is suit, but it does, it does align better with peer generators. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, that focus thing that a generator has that a man gen, I mean, I've worked with a bunch of manifesting generators in the last few years. I work a lot in the startup world. So all of the people who've started businesses in the last five years that I've worked with are manifesting generators. And (laughs) Of course they are because <laughs> yeah. they're they're like hopping from one thing to another and it's really it's been really helpful to have this knowledge so now I know how to work with them in the right way like as a generator how do I work with a manifesting generator it's not the way I would work with a generator it's not the way I would work with a projector I know they need different different support and like how do I honor their energy because it is so so powerful and so it's beyond the way I think so like I can't keep them in my little box because that would just kind of crush their creative energy I think in a way yeah definitely we need choices we need flexibility fluctuation we need to just be able to You know, really, I mean, I always describe it as sort of like the energy hummingbird where it's like you take a little bit from each different thing that you love and then you, you spread your, you spread your love around and really have to step into what you do is not going to look like what anybody else does. You're often creating your own mix of things and it's hard to find a template or some sort of a program to follow and it can be challenging. But I wanted to hear from the generator perspective, the pure generator, how you would describe your energy type and the way that you work for other generators listening. This is really interesting because I feel like I'm still in this deconditioning process. Like I think I get it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like another layer of understanding. So I'm in this like embodiment phase of really learning what the sacral yes is because I grew up as a people pleaser with a ton of energy. So I would just go, 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 go. You need me to do this? Sure. You want me to do that? Sure. You want me to do this? And now I'm like feeling physical burnout, which I know they always talk about that for projectors, but I think for generators, it's almost, well, it happens. It happens when you don't use your sacral energy correctly. When you are saying yes to things that aren't correct for you, you will burn yourself out and it's like a deep, deep burnout. So I'm on this path now of figuring out, well, what is a yes and what is a no? I know the no much better than I know the yes. For me, the no is like this contraction inside, which I realized I had been overriding for decades, you know, like my whole life. Right. Because, you know, I'm, I'm nice and a good person and a good friend and, you know, a good daughter and good wife, good sister. So I'd say yes to a lot of things that actually were not in alignment with me. So now I'm learning like, oh, I can say no. And it's actually better for everyone when I say no to those things. So when I do say yes, it's, there's this tremendous power and energy behind it. Like there's this, it's hard to put into words, but there's this momentum of like unlimited uh, possibility. Yeah. It's just so exciting. Your whole body expands into like, oh my gosh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like I could do anything. Yeah. Like I remember I was uh, with my friends, we were on this safari trip in Africa and we were, we had to hike up, we'd gone white river rafting and we had to hike up out of this gorge. And it was like, I don't know. I feel like it was a mile almost straight up. And I loved, I was like, this is so fun. And I just bounded right up. So that's like my perfect um, understanding of generator energy because it was, it was like a hard, challenging thing. And my friend is like super not into hiking and she doesn't like working out or anything like that. She was dying and she's a manifesting generator. So she, she has the energy behind her, but she doesn't want to do that at all. And I was like, this is so fun. So I just found it up like a rabbit and she was just not into it. And I was like, oh, that's what generator energy is. I could 
just run a straight mile up. Wow. I was also younger then, but um, yeah, but that's such a beautiful example. And I think that people can really put themselves into a memory of what it, what that feels like, because I couldn't agree with you more that really for any energy type, we have, we have often been conditioned into saying yes to things that don't line up for us just because from the generator and manifesting generator perspective, it does feel good to be busy. It does feel good to be using your energy, even if it's not something that is a full body. Yes. Even if it's a no, it's sort of like, well, then I have to say no to it. And then I could have nothing going on. And that's like such an uncomfortable place to be in. So I wanted to ask you as you have continued to decondition and tap into that sacral and say, no, what have you noticed about the things coming in for you to respond to? Have you been able to see a shift in new opportunities or more aligned opportunities? How has that unfolded? Yeah, great question. Cause that's really sort of where I'm at right now is I'm clearing out a lot of stuff and a lot of things. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And then I go like, I have nothing to do. But again, it's been layers and levels. So I feel like I'm in this other deeper level. Things that are coming for me to respond to are more in alignment. And, but there is a little bit of fear of, oh my God, I'm not going to have any, if I say no to that, like this fear of not having something to do exactly what you said, but just kind of sitting in the void of trusting, like there are so many opportunities out in the world. I really do just want to save my energy for the right one. So I kind of feel like I'm in this deeper period of being in a little bit of a void and trying to be comfortable with that and being like, okay, I am still recovering from burnout. So I, I can just take a break, but the other side of me is like, but you can't take a break of all this energy. So I have, there's this weird conundrum of feeling burnout, but also having energy. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Well, it makes a hundred percent sense to me. And then you almost like walk around trying to fill your time with some sort of an activity or something that will help you move through that energy because and I'm curious how, how it comes for you, but some days if I have not been physical enough, I feel like an uncomfortableness in my own skin. If I have not used my brain, my creative energy, it almost feels like just this momentum has no place to go. And so uh, it's like, it really does physically feel uncomfortable where you like, I've got to use this, I've got to do something. But then I think the thing to do for us is to not just say yes to the next thing that walks through the door, but to instead reconnect and refocus on a hobby, a pleasurable activity, something that is not related to work, because I know we're, we're both, and for most generators and manifesting generators, so connected to our work, so much wanting for our work to be what we really do in this world. And so I feel like that is, yeah, a constant place of, okay, I'm not going to keep forcing this in the work sense for me. Yeah. I'm going to use this buildup of energy for something else that just feels good. So I remind myself what it is that is my baseline feeling that I should be going after. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I've been trying to explain this for years. It's like lightning in a bottle. You know, it's like, where does this go? My physical vessel feels something bouncing around inside of it. And I can't still my mind. Like I can't focus when I'm like that. So yeah, often it's, it is just getting out of whatever I'm doing or thinking about. A lot of times it's thinking that gets me caught up because I, I spend too much time in my mind. It doesn't use my energy correctly. So I used to go running. That was like a good thing, but now I kind of feel like I'm not really into running. So something physical is great. Dance or I walk my dog or a creative project or even just cooking, going in the kitchen and just switching my mind to something else, using it, but using it in a different way, like a more productive way where a different part of my mind is being used. Yeah, definitely. Cooking is such a good one. And I think 
we're just such creative beings. I know you and I definitely are always wanting to be creating something, birthing something, putting something out into the world. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how that works from your work perspective of being this designer and creative and how that all came to be. Yeah. So I have been a designer of very various capacities. I kind of feel like I'm a, you know, maybe an MG energy in that way, but definitely not. I started, I learned graphic design when I worked in a marketing in a travel company years ago in my first job. And then followed my sacral, I followed my generator being lit up and ended up in accessories design, designing fashion accessories. And I had a jewelry line, I had a handbag and other accessories lines. And so there was this creativity within me that just had to come out. My sacral just pulled it out. I lived in New York then. And so I was just responding to like what was in my neighborhood. There were these amazing fabric stores. So I just followed. So that's how that creativity sort of started. And then I did branding for people too, uh, as a graphic designer and did web design. But I would kind of struggle with clients because a lot of them just wanted to, they didn't quite know how to represent themselves or, you know, they were doing this like cookie cutter business template that didn't actually light them up and it didn't kind of fit with their, like what I was intuitively picking up on, what they were saying they wanted and what I wasn't picking up on were kind of different. So I ended up kind of coaching people and really asking them questions and starting people into businesses that they were like, I can do that. I didn't even know I could do that. Just like giving them permission to follow what actually lit them up and and those things turned into businesses and then I learned human design and it took it to a whole deeper level so it's sort of what I was already doing but it gave me a language and a roadmap to actually ask better questions and and I got to understand energetically how people are designed and to help them use their energy in more fulfilling ways that ended up being more effective and more productive and made them happier Mm. It's so, it's so everything. It's so fun. It's so expansive. It's so refreshing to approach work from this different lens of doing what lights you up, doing what feels easy, doing what feels aligned, creating your own rules about how you're going to work, who you're going to work with, what your offerings are going to be. And I just love that you, through saying yes to things, have just been able to layer in these different levels of knowledge and experience and training. And it's just, it's so cool to see. And then you have this other piece of the intuition. And so how does that come into play when it comes to the coaching? Do you delineate when you are guiding someone through branding or does that just sort of go beneath the surface? I think it all just sort of seeps in when I like gave myself permission to actually say these things that like popped into my mind. Cause I was like, I can't say that, you know, like how am I supposed to know whatever? Or so I just started the, the intuition stuff, just kind of, I get out of the way and allow my, allow my self to just ask those questions or say those things that come through. So it's just sort of woven into to everything. Even with human design, I think I read it in intuitive ways because I can look at a chart and it looks different to me on different days or different circumstances. Like when I meet with clients, one time, you know, their variables will call out to me and another time, maybe one of their gates or their incarnation cross, or, you know, something will just pop up and be just the thing they needed to hear. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. I was working with someone and she has gate 19 as an earth. And I was like, you know, just talking about how she senses the world, how she sees the world and her sensitivity to her clients and the people around her. And she was like, oh yeah. Yeah. So that was like what she needed to hear that day. 
Yeah, definitely. I feel like that is, I don't want to say it's a new way of doing human design, but when I first learned human design, I, you know, it's such a complicated system for people listening, for people who know about it. I mean, there is endless information. There are so many different points of of knowledge and information and possibility. And I think like learning any modality or system when you first get started and you want to have this certain formula of doing it, or, you know, of course you want to say the right things and be able to give people the information that they came for. But I, I also at some point started getting in these intuitive messages about, I feel like I just need to say this about something, or why am I getting a hit about this person's career or this is just coming through and not really knowing what to do with it, similar to you with the Reiki. And that really allowed me the same permission to look at human design as this incredible tool that it is, but it's my intuition that brings it to life Mm -hmm. for a client. And so I really appreciate you sharing that too and, and having that reflected back in that, yeah, some days you look at something and these things get called out to you. And another time it's like just other elements of their chart or, you know, you can just tell by meeting with someone that sometimes people are really interested in the facts and the figures and and just like the inner workings from a systems perspective. And other times people are really just looking for that permission, for that empowerment, for that little bit of understanding that makes them feel like it's okay to be in their own skin. I completely agree with that. I do feel like for me and most of the people I work with, it is about permission. You have permission to be your own individual unique self. If that feels good to you, then that's what you should be doing. I hate the word should, but you know, but if that feels good to you, then like try that. And it's an experiment too, which I always like to say, like, just try it and see, try it on and see how that feels. And I do think that most people that come to me are looking for some sort of permission to be themselves. And it's also interesting to look at the circuitry. Like Mm. I am just super individual. So like I am going to give people permission to do things differently, to be mutative in the world to create change and to evolve from something from whatever, you know, way they're doing their work. Like there's another way. And that's how like innovation happens is when people are allowed to be different and allowed to try different things. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. I do feel like we are reaching a new place from a business perspective, from a creative perspective, but it's for me, and I think a lot of the people listening, it's an uphill battle to not try to emulate what has been held up as the one way to find success because so many of the most successful people that we get introduced to that are influencers that that are popular have figured out a system that works for them mm-hmm. then they have figured out how to market and sell that system whether it be through a course or books or some sort of other system that we're supposed to follow. And then of course I want to be successful. Of course I want to figure out how to, how to do it right and how to be the best me and how to reach my potential. And inevitably what happens is I have tried many other people's systems and nothing really quite fits. Maybe there's elements of it. Maybe there's pieces of it. Maybe it sparks something. But the truth is that what is going to work for me is so individual. And I don't think that we as a collective see that message being shared. I think that we see you could do it this way, you could do it this way, but you've got to pick one of these top 10 best-selling ways to do something. <laughs> And, and that's the way to be successful. And so I think you and I are very similar in the fact that one of the reasons that 
we love human design so much is it puts all of that knowledge and empowerment back to the individual and says there is no one right way to have success. There is the best way for you. And we just need to continue to model that there's a million ways to find success. There's a million ways to find joy. There's a million ways to reach your potential, but you're not going to find that by trying to look outside and see what everybody else is doing. You've got to do that internally. Yeah. Like the most annoying thing any human design reader will say is it all comes back to strategy and authority. (laughs) Like, you know, you can spend 10 years studying all of this stuff and having all of the knowledge and it's, it's super helpful. But again, as you're saying, it does come down to your own internal response. How does this feel to you? And I think that's one beautiful thing that human design is giving people and it's growing so quickly is that it gives people permission to do things in ways that feel good to them. And then they realize if it feels good to you, it's actually good to everybody around you. Because when I first saw my design, um, I was like, this is not the way I've been living my life. How can, how can that be true? Like mine is basically like my only two channels are these super individual channels of like, when you do what's right for you, it's good for everyone. Like basically like you empower others by empowering yourself. So if you like it, go do it. And it's actually good for other people. And I was like, but no, I need to do stuff for people. But the more I I live it and I realize, oh, that is good for other people for me to do that. When I do it lights me up, it actually gives other people permission or it gives inspiration or it gives like I can help from a different a different way than I conditioned to believe. So by Lauren, you being you, that just creates so much more energy in the world for other people to be themselves on so many Absolutely. Yeah. And and also so much energy we each spend looking and and judging and evaluating what other people are doing from from this outside perspective when we don't know what is right for them (laughs) despite what we think right exactly we don't know what feels good to them we don't know what their truth is we don't know their experience their history their perspective their soul contracts we don't know anything and so that energy that's spent on on the outside and again i know that this brings up feelings of well i'm being self-absorbed i'm being selfish i'm you know only thinking about myself you're not only thinking about yourself but you are being the the most you you can be which which number one is okay to be in service of yourself number one It's the whole oxygen mask, you know, on yourself first and you can't pour from an empty cup and every, I actually, I actually just wrote an article about this that I posted on Medium, my first article about sacred sabotage and how the link that I see between ignoring self-care and how we're sabotaging and not living up to our real full potential and like what I what I see is that, that link, but I think that we continue to do ourselves a disservice by feeling like we have to be living for someone else, especially as mothers living under certain rules or obligations. And I mean, really, is that what we came here for? Is that really what you think your soul's highest purposes is to fit in somebody else's definition, somebody else's box, check off what other people need. And that's a huge shift for women, for mothers, for caretakers, for maybe even like our generation who were raised with a different set of conditioning. Yeah, I want to say two things on that. One, I'm going to bring it back to the generator because the generator is always giving off energy. And what kind do you want to give off? Like I have done things out of obligation and I've given energy that is, like has a tinge of resentment and I've done things. I like how delicately you said that. (laughs) Just a tinge of resentment. You would ask the people around me if it was really a tinge. (laughs) Um, 
or I can do something that's really in alignment and I'm giving off energy, but it's this energy of joy. That's one of the things in my deconditioning process was noticing how does the world around me respond to how I respond to things. If I respond in joy, life is beautiful and flows. But if I respond in resentment, it just breeds more. And it's just like that energy is flowing out into the world. So I think like what actually, and the second thing I wanted to be is self-centered. Like, yes, you have to center, you have to be centered and in integrity to have this foundation to to serve others, to be in service, especially as a generator or a manifesting generator, because we are the ones who bring the energy to the, the sustainable energy to the world. So what kind of energy do we want to bring to the world? Do we want to bring this joyful energy or do we want to bring this tinge of resentment energy? Like what do we <laughs> want to put out into the world? And so I have to remind myself of that when I feel that pressure to say yes to something out of obligation or like, oh, because, you know, I should do that because I'm a mom or I should do that because, you know, so-and-so expects me to do it. So yeah, being in integrity and having this foundation of like joyful energy rather than negative, tired, burned out, resentful energy. Yeah, 100%. And I would think that for people listening, think about a time where you have said yes to something or when you have been in a room with somebody that has said yes to something that clearly should have said no. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be there. They don't have the time, energy, interest. Everybody can sense that. Everybody can feel that. And so when you say no, you give somebody else the opportunity to take on that, that project, or maybe somebody's always been thinking about doing that, but they've been afraid because all the generators and manifesting generators have said yes out of obligation. And here's this person who's like, well, the other people already said yes. Maybe that's their time to shine. Like give somebody else the space. I mean, that's the other thing, especially when we're trying to decondition from this selfish and quotes thinking that's often something I share is that it's really if you think about it selfless to give somebody else the chance to participate in something when you really don't want to do it yeah and who's to say that this particular thing is like a bad job or because I don't like it but it's gonna light someone else up like crazy and they're gonna not want to do things that I love So we have to honor that in everybody. There isn't a bad thing to do. It's just maybe not in alignment with you. Um, Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I say no, like it's my job now. No, no, thanks. No, no, no. Can I ask you what your yes is like? Do you know the difference? Like, how do you tell the difference between your yes and your no? Yeah. So my yes is similar to yours in that that just opening, that expansion. It's like all the, did you just see that flash of light or am I making that up? Seriously. (laughs) Did you, I closed my eyes and like, it was like, there was like a fire right in front of me for like a hot second. Okie doke. It is like all your yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's my yes. Okay. Thank you universe. Now I, now I have it real crystal clear what my yes is. That was so bizarre. It's like all the, the, the bells and whistles and like all the systems are firing and I feel it in my chest and I feel it in my body. And, and like you, it's like you feel full of possibility, full of potential. It's all tingly. I also, because I have, you know, that manifesting channel, do often have a verbal like, mm, or, mm-hmm, or mm. there's some sort of verbal tell that I will sometimes give if something is in alignment, if it's deeply resonating, if it, if it's being stored somewhere, if it's activating something in me. So Mm -hmm. whether or not that means that it's a yes for now, I still pay attention to that because that's a signal to me that this is, is hitting something within your energetic systems. Mm. You're not emotional, right? No, mm-mm, say girl. Yeah. Yeah. I've come to learn since I'm just in this like deconditioning process. I know my no's pretty well and my yeses. I'm sometimes like, is this a fake yes or is this a real yes? So I sometimes give it space or I maybe don't have enough information. Yeah. 
and I'm like, mm, I, I like the idea, but I don't have that like, hell yeah, I don't have that ooh or that, you know, I sacral beings, whether you're manifesting generator or not, throat defined or not, you have the sacral sounds. So it's usually like, like, ooh, or ah, or ah, <laughs> or for me, it's like, ugh. <laughs> right, like, right. So one of the questions I would have then is, are those questionable yeses or pseudo yeses really neutrals? Mm. And could you delineate between those and the definite full yeses? Or is the expectation for the yes because you know it is an experiment as we've talked about and every body is so unique is the expectation of the full body yes maybe just not what you would experience hmm interesting it's interesting yeah i want to keep you posted on that yeah please do so <laughs> and for everybody listening like it's it does take a lot of awareness and and focus and attention to to sort of discern and delineate and that's why they say it's so many years of deconditioning in order to really truly and fully have not mastered but be in full essence of your human design yeah and i'm gonna say this too is sometimes i'm not sure about my yeses because yeah. of conditioning i'm like is that a real yes or no and so I use muscle testing sometimes because to give myself permission to either really desire something or not. I can't because my mind gets in the way and I'm still learning how to shut off my mind and listen to my body. So, because mm, uh, my mind's so be, good. Yeah, you should do that. You should do that because, you know, if you do A, then B, then C, you'll get to D. But that's actually not how I'm designed to operate. I often go from A to F. <laughs> You know, like, right. or A to D with skipping things, but not in a MG way, but just in a, I think it's being right variables, like in a more receptive way. My sacral knows more than my mind does because my body knows what it's capable of more than my mind does because my mind is like, well, you didn't go to school for that. So how can you do that? Or you didn't do this, but actually like there's a knowing somewhere inside of me. So it's more a process of allowing my body to lead the way and then my mind to figure things out. And I'm still in that process of learning to trust my body, the wisdom that it knows more than my mind does. Mm. It's so good. That's such good advice. And especially because you are also open in your head and yeah. yeah, in your Ajna as I am. So for those listening, when you have your top two centers open, it often... <laughs> It often does play a big part in your decision-making and how you, your conditioning, because we want to solve problems and we want people to know that we're certain about something and there can be a, a loop, a mental looping that happens and a lack of focus and, and yeah, that mind wants to swoop in and be like, yeah, this is what you should do. And this is how it, this is how it can happen versus just letting that be and letting that be for inspiration and exploration and play and contemplation and then trusting exactly what you're saying that your body does know your body does have that wisdom if we if we get the ego out of the way yeah that's a that's a big I don't know hopefully that's not a lifelong thing but <laughs> I'm getting a little better at it yeah I would I think so I feel like in the years that I've been studying human design, I definitely have, have had so many benefits, but I, I would agree with you that that ego one is of the more challenging ones to dissect. And I feel like I'm at the point right now where something will come in for me to respond to. This happened to me the other day and it was so fascinating in real time. I was having coffee with a friend and she was talking about her business and she threw out an opportunity for me that I was completely unexpecting. It had never entered my mind. And right away, I could see the ego answer of, that's not how I thought it would happen. Mm. That doesn't feel like the opportunity that I had imagined, that I had dreamed about, that I had planned for. 
does that feel too small for me? Does it feel that it's not mine? Does it feel like it's not specific? All those sort of ego conditions. And then at the same time, or, you know, half second later, I saw, whoa, this is a true, amazing opportunity that came into you that when you push away that ego response, what is your actual response? And it's everything that you've been asking for with mm. in complete alignment, with complete ease, all the like, all the amazing possibilities and potential and, and both things were there. It was like good and evil, but it was like ego and embodiment or ego and, you know, deeper, higher intuition presenting themselves on two different plates in front of me. It was fascinating. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to think like there are these two separate, but not separate parts of us that need to learn how to work in cooperation. They each need to be given the respect of what their gift is because our minds are these amazing tools that we have, but I don't think we give our bodies the same level of respect in that way that they have this wisdom within them as well. Well, yeah, we've disconnected from them in so many ways. And, and think about how many times something doesn't feel good something hurts, something is in pain, or there's discomfort. And we literally are taught to ignore the messages of our body, work through the pain, push through any discomfort. That's just your mind. No, that's actually your body. Like your body is trying to tell you something. And we just disconnect from all of that amazing wisdom that the body is here to tell us, whether it be a real physical thing and I'm sure you, you know, go through this with your Reiki clients or whether it be an energetic experience, there's still something that's trying to come through, right? Totally. And that's like our left brain and our right brain have different jobs. So we're, we focus in our culture much more on our left brain. So we see the world in a different way. We have different perspective on like, we answer things differently. We trust ourselves in a different way, but that's like cutting off half of the wisdom that we have access to. Most people see it in like our society is built in a left brain way. And so when we bring like our mind and body together, it brings the hemispheres of the brain together and we can work more cooperatively within ourselves to have like a wider perspective. You can see things in a different way and then you can respond in different ways and you can innovate in different ways and your body is telling you things for a reason. And now in our culture, I think we're taught to just like, it's changing, but I think we have been like, get rid of the pain. Don't look at what it's telling you, just get rid of it. However you can just get rid of it. But it really is. I think it's, it's a guide for us. It's telling us like something is not in alignment. And so when we, yeah, we continue to not pay attention to it. We cut off just this access to this huge well of wisdom that we have because it does look different to everybody. And so, but the beautiful thing is we're meant to be different. Thank God we're different because if we were all the same, what a boring world we would be in. Yeah. So is the left brain and right brain thing, is that what your psych K training and modality, is that related to that? Yeah, that's psych K works on subconscious programming and limiting beliefs. It works to create a whole brain coherence so that we can use both hemispheres of our brain to see situations or problems or beliefs, ways of being. So when we use only part of our brain, it's like going into a room with a flashlight into a dark room. You only see a little bit, but then when you flick the light switch on, you see everything. So your perspective might be like, oh my God, there's only whatever in this room, but there's actually so many other things. You might see only like one bottle of water and you're like, oh my God, there's only one bottle of water. I'm so thirsty. There's only one bottle of water in here, but you flick the light on and it's filled with bottles of water. And you're like, oh, okay. So you change your perspective on, on how you see things in the world. And it opens up your subconscious mind to see things in a different way because most of our programming we picked up from age zero to seven when we have just a smaller perspective and everything is just trying to keep us safe and so we we 
hold on to these beliefs that we think will keep us safe in those, or whatever, it's our coping mechanisms that we pick up. But then we still operate from that sort of emotional and mental state, even when we're adults, because we haven't expanded that. We haven't processed whatever it was that happened. And trauma is not what happens to you. It's how you respond in the moment to things. So some people have huge traumas and other people have like these tiny little traumas, but they affect them throughout their lives. And so when you do the exercises, that shift and that healing can happen in real time, right? It can. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that so many of the modalities now are again, I feel like there's a place for everything. And I know that, that talk therapy and all of these different services are incredible. And certainly there are circumstances that, you know, for which no, no other thing would be the right thing. But I think for some of these limiting beliefs or energetic blocks, the fact that we also have access to these different things where, you, you actually can let go of it. You actually don't have to hold, continue to hold on to it. That can, that storyline can, can change. That chapter can be closed. Totally. Yeah. It can happen with emotional things. It can happen with physical things. Yeah. It's a, it's really, there's so many amazing modalities that are available and there isn't one right one because everybody's different. So, you know, what resonates for one person might not for someone else. And vice versa. So it is amazing. And I just feel like everything's exploding into awareness now because we are on this, obviously something's happening in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Something is going on. (laughs) Something had to evolve. And so we're all evolving and innovating. And the more we each heal ourselves, yeah, the more healing will happen on the collective level. And for many of us, we just feel so called to have that connected to our work. And so I love that, that you offer these incredible services and pulling in, you're so talented from this creative design perspective and then layering in all these different modalities is, is such a cool thing. And I know you and I have talked about some different business offerings to help people really step into their, their truest, highest potential. So stay tuned, everybody, for more to come on that. But it has been such a delight to have this conversation with you and particularly be able to talk our human design language for people to understand it maybe on a different level, or maybe it's the first time they're hearing about it and it intrigues them to find out more. But thank you so much for for being on and tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's so fun. I could talk about this all day. So (laughs) currently my Instagram is sphere-of. Because I believe that everything in our sphere influences how we show up in the world. And uh, sphereof.com is my website. Yay. And I will link that in the show notes. Super fun chatting with you. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.